Welcome everybody to a Monday edition, a frozen Monday edition of Texans All Access. John Harris here, my pal Mark Vandermeer there. We are thawing out like all of you as we speak. Mark, good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is. It's all running together. I can't even tell you what time it is. It's dark. I don't know. How are you doing? Well, I can't remember what day it is. That's the big problem here. You know, with all this, uh, this activity, with the weather, uh, obviously it was a busy week for us last week with the Houston Texans. And it, man, it's just, Johnny, it's strange to be in Texas and have this happen. I mean, I'm used to this kind of weather from places I've lived like Michigan and Massachusetts, but you know, to have it happen here to take my kids on the sleigh riding for like a total of 12 minutes, but sleigh riding <laughs> on the golf course was definitely an experience. So, Hey, you just go with it. But I know a lot of people out there are really struggling with power issues and other issues as well. Yeah, no doubt. And I, one of the lucky ones not dealing with the power issue, and I know you're the same, but we know a lot of people out there are dealing with the power issue. So, uh, and, you know, hang in there. Um, the, the power is the one thing I don't know that I really could, could help anybody out with, but I had frozen pipe issues. I got up, I don't know, 6.30, 7 o'clock this morning or whatever it was, and just instinctively you just go to the bathroom, you look outside, and, you know, I see, like, things are on in the house. I'm like, Oh, we're good. And I go to flush the toilet and I'm like, uh Oh, and then I good. thought, well, you know, it's just, yeah, there's just some, you know, there's a lot of people having pressure issues, with water. I'm not gonna worry about it. And then I thought, Oh, so uh, I texted you and you're like, yeah, yeah. I, I had a frozen pipe, but I fixed it. And then I wrote back and I said, okay, well, how did you fix it? And then it was crickets. So it was one of those like it was like it was like teach your man to fish. Dude, I am so sorry. Is that did that really happen? Yes. And so at that point, I'm like, all right, well, I guess he's trying to teach me like a sensei karate kid lesson here. So I searched. I was like, mm, hair dryer. So I went outside, and I went to the to the uh, to the input valve uh, to the main water valve, and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna sit over this and see what happens. I took the hair dryer, kind of went up and down, up and down. My wife came running out. She goes, hey, you got it working. I was like, fantastic. You're a genius. <laughs> exactly. I will eat fish tonight. So that's how I did. I know you did it too, by the way. Well, I, we have this water purification system, and we have pipes going into that and pipes coming out of that. And they're kind of wrapped up. They, when they put it in, they wrapped them up in this foam stuff. But I don't think that was very good, as it turns out. And I just, uh, I, I did what you shouldn't do. I poured, you know, really boiling hot water on it, which, you know, you really shouldn't do that because it can have an instantly bad reaction. But I was so upset. I was like, darn it, I'm just doing this. <laughs> and then it, it didn't work right away. I thought, if it's not that, it's something else. I, you know, I just figured it out wrong. But then 20 minutes later, running water. Yeah. <laughs> it worked. So awesome. it's, you know what? You feel like Tom Hanks in Castaway when he makes the fire and he's like, yeah. I have fire. Yeah. And you feel like, I have running water. You feel so proud of yourself that you created running water. You really didn't create it, but you unclogged it or whatever. And it's, you know, Johnny, this creates happiness. I'm telling you. It, I always say stuff like this, like anything that gets you back to zero, all you're doing is yeah. getting back to zero when you have running water, right? It's like when you lose your keys or your wallet or can't oh. something really important that you find it. You're just back to zero. But that can give you an immense sense of gratitude about life. So that's cool. Yeah, it is. And when it came back on him, I was like, 
Ah, I, I had that same feeling. I was like, yeah, all right, check me out. I've never done that before with my pipes. We've never had them freeze up like that. Uh, not at this house or any other house. I will say this, Mark, having, I, live, I got here in 1983 from Wisconsin. I was 11 years old. I remember distinctly the ice storm of 1989 because I was actually driving from Rosenberg back out to Richmond because I actually conned my parents into letting me drive that night to go with I, somebody was having a party that night. And of course, you know, you can't miss out, you know, you don't want FOMO. <laughs> so I go to this party and it's a 15 minute drive from, from Pecan Grove. It took me an hour and 15 minutes. And as I was getting towards the subdivision, I started sliding down 359. I remember that distinctly. That was 1989. I don't remember it being this cold. I don't know that I've ever experienced this kind of cold and wind chill ever in the city of Houston like this. I, I, that, yeah. That's the one thing. Now, I've experienced wind chill. Don't get me wrong, because I lived in Wisconsin. I played at Brown. Uh, I lived up in Rhode Island, all that kind of stuff. I've never experienced it here quite like it's been. Yeah. Oh, it's Johnny. This is super duper cold. We all know it. And look, my kids love it. My littlest guy, I think his foot is a block of ice right now because he just would he refused to come in. You know him. Yeah. He's just outside creating things and building things. And by the way, I'm really sorry. To, <laughs> I didn't respond to your text. I just saw it. <laughs> but I think this occurred during the 12 minutes that I was sleigh riding with my kids on the golf of course. course. Of by course. the way, I grew up near a golf course like a public golf course. And that's what I thought a golf course was for, like sled riding in the yes. winter. I didn't know you actually played golf on that thing uh, until later in my life. But, uh, you know, a, a small hill on a golf course could become a total, it's, you know, all of a sudden you're Franz Klammer. How's that for a dated reference? Uh, in Houston, try to do a little snowboarding. That's really good. That's really good. And that's the thing, when you're a kid and you grow up north, you, I don't want to say you invent things to do, but you sort of figure things out that you're going to do with the snow because I know when I was growing up, my parents just kicked me out. They're just, you know, go out of the house, go do something. The only time that, yeah. I'll tell you this, the only time that they ever were like, nope, you, you know, you not going outside today. And it'll make sense. It's the coldest football game in the history of the NFL. In 1981, it was Chargers Bengals. Oh. In Cincinnati. And it was that Sunday. And I remember, you know, just, uh, I guess it was nine at the time. And I wanted to go outside. My parents were like, nope, grab the back of my neck. Like, you're not going out today because we had gotten the same front up in Wisconsin. And the wind chill that day was, it, it was in the negative 50s. And it was unlike anything I'd ever seen. If you've seen any highlights of that football game, you understand. That it was that day. I mean, so you're a kid, you just go outside, you play in the snow. And my parents were like, Nope, that's the one day they would not let me go outside. And we all the, we went outside, the three of us, just to get to the car. And I can't remember when we went to a store or something like that. And I could see why it was unbelievable. And I think about, <laughs> I've thought about that the last couple of days, how much colder that was than this. And this is miserable. I even right. walked to Kroger today. I walked to Kroger because I didn't really want to get on the roads. It's like a mile away. I walked to it. What? I slipped along the way. And then I get there and it's closed. 
<laughs> the guy, the guy gets to the door. He's at the door and he just kind of wait. He gives me the universal signal. You know how we have like, all right, it's cut it, cut it right. And he's like, like we're not working. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I just, I just traipsed a mile down the road in the <laughs> snow of Texas to get some bread from Kroger and you're closed. Oh, so, that's yeah, too it, bad. It's, uh, but it's, but it makes for, it makes for a fun day. There's there, kind of, um, as long as you're not having to drive in it or do anything uh, of that ilk, it's probably okay. Actually, as I was walking, I saw somebody start to spin out and I couldn't for the life of me, I could not understand why somebody was on the freaking road. And I just kind of looked over as he started to spin out. And I was like, yeah, how you like them apples? And so then the person straightened up and started going straight. And then I guess must have seen me say something because he kind of glared over at me. And I'm like, hey, man, sorry. Glad you're okay. <laughs> but I'm like, why are you on the road? At that point, the, the ice is still fairly thick. And I'm like, there's no need to be on the road. But um, our roads now are kind of dry. So hopefully everybody's out there not on the roads, just staying home and being safe or going to a golf course and making things up as a kid because that's that's what you do that's what you're supposed to do well the, th the thing about tonight johnny is as people are listening uh dark and it gets uh the, the ice forms very quickly and you know so the roads i i've noticed a lot of i saw some puddles you know not everything yeah. is frozen solid yet it's not a block of ice everywhere and my my uh, point here is that uh it will freeze tonight everything is going to freeze and yeah. You just got to be very careful with that stuff out on the roadways. I mean, I'm really experienced in driving and this kind of stuff. Johnny, I once had a Chevy Caprice because I really wanted a big American car, and I loved that front seat, which was like a sofa. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, I bought this car for like nothing. in the it's, This is in the 90s, and I had it in Michigan. And I soon learned that you have to put sandbags in the trunk because otherwise this thing's going flying. I mean, in the ice, even in Michigan with the sand and salt pretty well, yeah. I was just like a toboggan, man. I'd hit the brakes going into an intersection. and I'd be like, hello, everybody. I'm in the middle of the intersection. Please don't hit me. I mean, it was, it was you had to be there. Uh, but, you know, I had it for like six months. I said, I can't deal with this anymore. But at least I had my American car dream, you know. That was, yeah, those were I mean, the days, Johnny. And yeah. all it had was an AM radio. It yes. was bliss for me. AM yeah. radio, baby. Sports yep. Radio 610. AM radio. That's it. When I got, when I got here in 2007, over at 1560, my car became a running joke because all I had was AM. I did have FM, and it had a tape deck. And that was it, a tape deck in 2007. And I remember my daughter, she got older. She was like, Daddy, what's that? And I was like, oh, let me tell you about the mixtapes, my girl. And so she got a little bit older and she would watch 80s rom-coms and various things. She would start to learn um, about, about uh, a tape deck, which I always found, uh, found fascinating. I mean, seriously, who doesn't find a tape deck fascinating? I'd like to do that show at some point in my life to give young people the opportunity to use devices that we did in the 80s and 90s and say, okay, figure it out. Yeah, you know, like the one you saw it where they gave an old school rotary phone to these kids and told them to dial a number and they had like 15 minutes to do it. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't figure out how to do it. It was fascinating watching, but uh, that's for a time and place down the road. Did Snowmageddon 2021 come at the right time? Well, I'll explain as Mark and I continue next right here in Texans All Access. Here in Texans All Access. 
Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Texans Radio Studio Mobile Version Snowpocalypse 2021 forcing us all back home. But then again, kind of used to this after a whole COVID season of doing it. So doing all access from the crib, no doubt. John Harris, Mark Vandermeer. I'm going to get back to Mark here in just a second. But I think I went the first segment and didn't remind you that Casey Keeler, head coach, Sam Houston State, going to join me. Sam Houston State's going to have a new football affiliation conference-wise. No longer going to be the Southland Conference after next year, or I guess this year, uh, 2021, spring of 2021. See, it's kind of confusing when you refer to it. But either way, Sam Houston State Bearcats going to the WAC, Western Athletic Conference, taking a few teams with them, Stephen F. Austin, Evelyn Christian, Southern Utah. It's going to be one heck of a conference. It's going to have to go through some growing pains, but it's going to be one heck of a conference, and Coach Keeler's going to join us to talk about that and keeping alive the Battle of the Piney Woods because Stephen F. Austin and Sam Houston State both going to the WAC. So looking forward to that conversation with Coach later in the show. But, Mark, Friday is, you know, with this weather system that came through, I, it's it's probably it probably came at the right time if if I'm being honest <laughs> to some degree because it kind of took our minds off of you know everything that went on on Friday. We're now 72 hours ish uh, mm-hmm. from hearing the news of JJ um, you know asking for his release and being granted his release, mutual parting of the ways. And the more I've thought about it over the weekend, I, I mean I feel. I feel okay. I feel good for JJ. But what's been your overall thought over the weekend, kind of just having it kind of marinate in your mind of seeing – and I still – I mean, I knew it was coming. I think we all did. I think we all knew it was coming. But just to actually see it actually happen, I think, was like, oh, my God. What were your thoughts kind of 72 hours later from JJ and the team with a mutual parting of the ways? Well, I, th- I think you had the line of Texans radio, at least so far in the young season of Texans radio, which is it probably came at the right time, meaning this cold snap, which is worse than a cold snap. This deep yeah. freeze came at the right time because we needed something to get our minds off what uh, I think that's hilarious. But Johnny, a lot of thoughts come to mind. I, I felt like Friday's show, we, you know, we, we did a reasonable job. You know, I, I didn't feel good about everything I said because I just think that, it's very hard to sum up his career yes. to really give it proper due. And even in an hour of talk radio, you know, there's just so much to it. There's so many layers to the Watt experience here that um, I, I, let, I left feeling like, man, I really feel like we need another three hours. You know, yeah. we needed a full show uh, on that because it's such a big goodbye. It's a huge goodbye. And I think it's a very painful goodbye. And I see a lot of, I see a lot of takes out there and, you know, I said, I said, these things happen in professional sports, which they do. I mean, Bruce Smith, you know, you know where he yeah. is on the sack list. He finished, what, with the Washington football team. And, yep. you know, you go down the list of all the great players who have uh, finished their career elsewhere. And, look, it would have been great to see him finish here. But the way the contract was structured, the way everything's going, it's just not going to happen. And, you know, that's, that's something we got to just 
deal with, and then you got to deal with the loss. You know, it's funny because I talk about things in a sports context. You know, it's almost like, you, you know, I hate to say like terminally ill patient because he's not, but the contract was sort of terminally ill in football terms. It's like something had to be done with that contract, either a restructuring dramatically, a trade with a restructuring or an outright release, you know, and you knew that was coming. But even though you see it coming when it's final, when the end finally comes, like the yeah. terminally ill thing, it's painful, you know, and my, you know, I hate to compare it to that, but that's, it reminds me of that, the finality, when it finally yeah. hits. There's a feeling you get that you really couldn't predict. You know, I couldn't write a going away what article until it actually happened because I had yep. to have those emotions flowing through me, and I did. So um, th that's, that's kind of how I feel coming off the weekend. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm eager to, you know, I think tomorrow, you know, I don't know about tonight, but I think tomorrow we can talk about, hey, to, let's take inventory. Who's on the defensive line yep. on the roster right now? I mean, I know that's not what it's going to be come September. You know they're going to make moves, picks, whatever. But – uh, just to see where we're at because, man, oh, man, that's a real tough deal, a tough thing to deal with, the loss of J.J. Yeah, I, it's, it's interesting I had a lot of the same feelings. How do you encapsulate the love, the respect, the great plays, the things he did? I, I you know, when, when we went, when we were done and I shut my system off and I just went, man, we didn't even talk about the play against Buffalo in the most recent playoff game. Like there, there were just so <laughs> many different things that we, we did, we didn't get into because there was so, there was so much to cover. And then I watch, of course, on social media and I've, I've kind of taken a stance of I'll, I'll tweet every now and again, but I'm just going to kind of read social media yeah, I really interact, just kind of stay informed because that's really where it all comes from. And then you're seeing all the different uh, articles and, and talk about, well, J.J. could end up here. J.J. could end up there. And there's a little bit of envy in all that. You know, there's a little bit of envy there. Like, dang it, that's, that's, our, like, that's, that's our guy. It's like, it's like your, your girlfriend, you know, openly flirting with some other guy on social media yeah. and like you got to sit there and, and you might have had a, a you know like a, a handshake agreement like hey it was great it was fun but it's runs course you know let's move on and then all of a sudden you're like wait all the you know all that fun everybody's now having because my girlfriend's now flirting with this guy that guy that guy and yeah. i'm like i don't like this and <laughs> i know i'm like and then of course the teams that you don't want to see him go to and it you know here's the funny part mark i could actually see him go to dallas and i'd be okay hmm. i would be okay with him going to dallas but if i have to watch jj in a titans jersey hmm. i will throw up on my shoes johnny i if i'm jj i don't want to go to dallas i don't think they're a contender you know i need I need to make sure I can get to a contender. And, you know, we can debate whether that's Pittsburgh's true. a contender yeah. or not. You yeah. know, as far as Roethlisberger, how is he, how is he going to be another year older and everything? Uh, but at least his brothers are there, and it should be a reasonable experience for him. It should be a winning experience, even though it might not be a Super Bowl contending experience. Uh, he's got to weigh that out. I said on Friday, Green Bay and Tampa Bay are your best chances. Yes. Just, like, looking at it from afar right here, bam, those are the best chances. But I, I'm with you. I'd rather see him go to Dallas if that was actually in play than, than anywhere in the division I, and, and most places in the AFC. 
no Patriots. He's not going to go there. But, I, you know, I don't want to see him go to an AFC contender. I guess Pittsburgh I can accept because of the family thing. Yeah. Everything else, no. Kansas City, no. Oh. No, no, no. 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 Yeah, Kansas, <laughs> Kansas City is definitely one. I, uh, yeah. Um, I kinda, there's a part of me that kind of wants him to go to Tampa Bay. First of all, we won't see him. We won't face him. So right. I'm cool with that. Um, and, it, and that would be fine. I just I, – it's been hard enough seeing some guys come back to NRG Stadium playing for yeah. particular teams. You know, Andre Johnson obviously is the one that comes to mind in 2015, Hasselbeck in a diaper game, and he has two touchdowns. And it's just like, oh, wow. And that was and, his best game. Yeah, yeah. And, and, okay, and we survived that, okay. But, my God, that was A, odd. B, he was really good that night. And, of course, it just stoked the, the, the fandom up again. Ugh. Oh, it was just brutal. And then it's like, oh, then you find out how sick a Hasselbeck was when he was playing that game. But I, yeah, Tampa Bay – I would be okay with in Green Bay too. Of course, you know, having grown up in Green Bay, Packers are always my second favorite team. So I wouldn't mind that. I remember this. I was going to tell a story of the day when we went to Green Bay in 2019. I thought it was a fascinating exercise. Just the whole week, it was it, you and I had a blast. And when you were telling your Chevy Capri story, I was thinking, my God, hopefully he was not late to a radio show because somebody would die <laughs> you know like that. Anyways. I remember th there were – the walkover was as cool as it got because the Packers fans wanted to see their guys, but then they wanted to see our guys too. In particular, they want to see JJ. And so we saw a ton of Wisconsin 99 jerseys. We'd see guys with Packer hats but Texans 99 jerseys. There was one guy there that was wearing a Green Bay 99 oh, yeah. Watt jersey. And I just remember thinking – uh, not yet, pal. Not yet. He's still got some time. And I think back to that guy, and I'm like, well, he might be able to bring that thing out of mothballs and might be able to wear that thing. But I don't remember seeing any others. It was just that one. I thought, okay, well, that's presumptuous. But it actually, it actually, might, it actually might come true. But it was such a fun trip. I don't, know if, I don't know if I can handle going up there and then seeing him in green and gold and practicing against him. But I hope that's something we get to do this summer is go somewhere to scrimmage against somebody and maybe go back up to Green Bay too. I don't know. So many people are getting the vaccine, Johnny, that yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get really optimistic. And maybe I should just tap the brakes on that. But I'm starting to get really optimistic that we can have the kind of summer preseason schedule. You know, it'll be 17 games. So there'll be a three-game preseason schedule, that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I just – I hope we get that. It's so funny. When you were talking about Watt and the, the flirt – the analogy of, you know, your ex-girlfriend flirting with other people – you know, that's kind of how I feel with Watson. He's not flirting there, but everyone else is saying, look, she's so attractive. I can imagine her with me. Yeah. Look, I Photoshopped her with me in this. I'm, no, he's yeah. ours. What are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Well, I know the talk is out there, but we didn't do that. So yeah. uh, come on. <laughs> Don't do that to us. Yeah, uh, that's no doubt. No doubt. Mark, we got to get up on a break, and then we're going to hear from Casey Keeler. On the other side of this break, but I've got to hit you with this. This actually happened about, oh, I, I guess the news broke maybe about an hour and a half, two hours for our show. Mm -hmm. In that, do you remember Vincent Jackson? Yeah, I saw this. This news is absolutely tragic. Vincent Jackson, 38 years old, 
passes away at a Homewood Suites motel in and around uh, his home city of Tampa. And just incredibly tragic news. But, Mark, I, I saw that news, and my Harris 100 is coming soon. And I actually compared – I'm trying to remember who I compared. I compared somebody to Vincent Jackson. Like, that was one guy that I actually used in a comparison because he was such an anomaly, a big, freakishly big wide receiver who actually played at a D2 level before he got to the NFL. But Vincent Jackson passed away at 38 today. And, Mark, that's just such sad news. You remember remember calling games with him? Do you remember watching him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he's one of those guys that uh, there's there's no way you don't remember him. That's why when, when news like this hits, you know, I don't know him personally, of course, and right. he wasn't on the Texans, but you just feel like he's part of that NFL family, and and these things hit you hard when you realize that. I mean, somebody's passing away so young, and obviously more details will come out here, but uh, it, it's terrible, Johnny. I mean, it's 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 terrible to to hear about this and. You know, God bless him and his family, and let's hope um, let's hope everybody gets through it as well as humanly possible. I mean, that's really all I have to say about that. Yeah. It's just one of those guys when you're calling games with people or you know against teams with certain players, and then you see news like this. I mean, there's very few news items like this, but just terrible news. It just it hits you in a different kind of way uh, doing what we do in this business. So yeah, yeah, I mean, that one struck me, no question. No, no doubt. Three-time Pro Bowler. 540 receptions in his career, played for, looks like 12 years, I think was the total. Uh, I always thought he was a guy that was so difficult to cover because he was massive, massive. And he was just a freak of nature. He's 241 pounds at the combine. He ran a 446. Um, he was just a freak of nature from a physical He's like standpoint. a tight end. I mean, yeah. sort of. Yep. That's, that's exactly right. And I'm trying to remember, this is going to drive me crazy now. I have to go back and read through my Harris 100 because, Mark, I'm that close. I am that close Yay. to almost – I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to submit it before an apartment meeting at 9 o'clock tomorrow, and I feel good about that. But uh, we got that to look forward to. Uh, we also have, on the other side, Casey Keeler to look forward to. Mark, I appreciate it. Uh, we will have Casey Keeler – and the new conference affiliation for Sam Houston State and coaches' thoughts on that next right here in Texans All Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Monday Night Edition of Texans All Access, a Snowpocalypse 2021 edition of the show. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. Glad to be with you amongst this cold, this craziness. And first and foremost, know that... We're thinking of all of you guys with power, without power, with water, without water, with internet, without internet, however you guys are making it, thinking of you guys, I know you guys are thinking of me and all of us, so we're all in this together as we've been saying for a long time, but this is a whole different one. As I told Mark earlier, I don't think I've ever experienced a cold like this. When I went out this morning to look around and see what this day was like, my goodness, I, it took my breath away. And I can't remember having that happen all year this year, except for maybe Cleveland. Because Well, that was, that was just a crazy bleep show because, oh my gosh, the rain sideways, the sleet, I mean, you name it, it was crazy town. 
but just the wind cutting through just your soul. Oh my gosh. So you guys hang in there, be safe, stay at home. Don't get out on the road and drive, especially now. Oh man, it's nasty. I mean, I can look out at my road, I can barely see it right now. It looks dry, but those are the times where you spin out. It can be nasty. So why not keep me, why don't I keep you company for the next 15, 20 minutes, whatever it might be. And I'm going to do that with my good pal, the head coach of Sam Houston State, talking about a new conference affiliation and a new season starting. That's Casey Keeler. Coach, it's been a little while since I've seen you, man. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, getting excited for uh, upcoming season. Uh, excited about a uh, new conference uh, next uh, fall. So a lot of things happening at Sam Houston State. Yeah, Coach, we're going to talk about that new conference affiliation. That's really cool stuff. But I got to ask you because I know you've been around ball all your life. I grew up a coach's kid. I've been around ball all my life. When it comes to fall, you just know football should be played. How tough was it for you personally to get to the fall and not have football? Look, we understand the safety of COVID, all that kind of stuff. But just from that standpoint of not having a game on a Saturday and what you're used to, how tough has that been? And how tough was it this fall to go through that? Yeah, you, you know, you almost feel like you're a little lost. Like you're trying to make your way because there's a rhythm to the fall. You yeah. know what Saturdays are. Yeah. And then you know what Sundays are. You know, there's a rhythm to our, our, our weeks. And, um, you know, not having that rhythm was hard. Uh, also, just dealing with all the issues of, you know, COVID and, and contact tracing, then trying to recruit a class without letting them come on campus. I mean, we, if, even if they were on campus, we weren't allowed to see them. Because we had some players come on campus to see the, you know, the campus, you know, through yeah. tours and things. And, hey, coach, I'm on campus. I can't see you. So it was just a strange way of doing business, like a, a little bit of a new normal for us. But uh, we thought we had a great recruiting class. And I think the things that we did in the fall have prepared our kids for this spring coming up. Um, you know, some of the trials and tribulations that some other programs have gone through, you know, talking to the guys at Alabama, Kyle Flood was my offensive line coach. He's now at Texas, yeah. you know, and talking to Danny, he was with me here at Sam Houston. I was the coordinator of Georgia. Phil Longo at North Carolina, yeah. just kind of like picking their brains. How did you survive the season? And the mantra was all the same from all three. It was, your kids are going to go to school, your kids are going to play football, and they're going to hang with their roommates, not their teammates, yeah. which is so strange yeah. because in our world, it's all about the camaraderie and, and those bonds. And now you're telling the guys, hey, stay away from each other. You know, and if you're in the car together, make sure you, know, you have your masks up. Yeah. And so it's been, it's been interesting. You know, they, they get tired of hearing me talk about the bubble and COVID <laughs> and all those kind of things. But um, I've warned them. I said, you know, let's not get fatigue on this because we've not, you know, gotten through this yet. And if we want to have a season, and the great thing about Sam Houston, we've made a commitment, yeah. you know, to, to have this season. You know, we need to do all the right things. Yeah, no doubt. And coach, having gone through it with the Texans, you're right. You hit on a big thing, the exhaustion factor, because of just the things you constantly have to think about that everyday life, you don't really have to think about. But you're 10 days away. You're getting ready. Uh, starting off with Incarnate Word, I believe. How do you feel about this year's team, which would have been the fall of 2020, but is the spring of 2021. How do you feel about the squad you have coming up this year? Yeah, I thought that, you know, the whole key was us going to be, you know, rebuilding the offensive line. Yeah. 
Um, you know, if you look at the kids we have back, I mean, we have great skill kids back. I think we've added a couple. Uh, you know, we thought Schmidt is an All-American level quarterback, you know, when he's healthy. He looks great out there. It just, can we rebuild that offensive line? And I feel pretty good that we have some pieces of the puzzle there. Just a matter of figuring out who the best five are at any one time. Um, you know, we have an All-American punter back. Um, you know, we have a front line defense, you know, a, a front four that's as good as any is there is in the country. Some great kids in the back end, Jalen Thomas, the McCullum twins. So, you know, and for me, there are so many players on this team that really deserve the redshirt year. Yeah. And you just couldn't give it to them because you're trying to win ball games. Yeah. You know, the twins both, you know, they played as true freshmen. Yeah. Jalen Thomas, I always say, might be the best freshman I've ever coached. He played as a true freshman. So you had all these guys that could use a, a redshirt year, and now they're going to get that redshirt year. And so I think it's going to be great for them for, for next fall. But, you know, the great thing about what we're doing right now, the plan is that there's going to be a championship. Yeah. And that's why Sam Houston decided not to play in the fall. And, you know, I think we, we thought playing money games in the fall wasn't the right direction for us. It was really more, hey, there's a championship out there on the line. If there's one, we want to go get that if we can. So that's been our mentality. I think our kids have appreciated that. And, yeah, we're like 10 days out now. Yeah, you and I have talked uh, a million times about a million different things, as, as I've called a number of your games. And, you know, I'm a big fan of the McCollum Twins. Uh, I love Zion. I think he's got uh, NFL abilities. And over the years, you and I, from the first time that you and I talked, I remember coming to see a guy by the name P.J. Hall. Yeah. I watched him, and I was just enamored with him. And I used to tell you, man, I would love him with us. Well, he finally ended up with us, with the Houston Texans, and had a really good, solid season before he was injured. Coach, what was it that you saw in P.J. Hall that you saw translate into his year this year with the Houston Texans and really made kind of a mark for us? He was one of our better interior defenders, if not the best one we had. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When we got to Sam Houston, they are redshirting P.J., and PJ was on the offense with the tight ends for a period of time yeah. as Kyle Sigler, the tight ends coach, was trying to figure out, okay, which one of these guys am I going to take? He yeah. ended up taking a guy named Roggen Henderson, who had a phenomenal career for yeah. us. Mm -hmm. um, and PJ went over to defense. And so my defensive line coach, Phil Petit, came in. He was with me at Delaware and actually at Rowan University. So Phil had been with me every place I've been. And after the first practice, he goes, I don't think anyone knows how good this kid could be. <laughs> and, you know, at the time, I think PJ was about six, one and a half, about 235. And over time, you know, we grew him into about 275. And then finally his junior year, I realized he was a next level kid. Like he was special. Yeah. And, and I was like, you know, the problem is if you do want to play at the next level, you're not a defensive end. You know, we need to put 25, maybe 30 pounds on you and you need to go play inside. He didn't blank. Yeah. He's like, okay, coach, if that's what you think we need to do. I said, well, it's going to be the best thing for Sam Houston. It's also going to be the best thing for you. And then he put the weight on and, you know, I mean, he came, became a real, you know, inside guy. And uh, I thought it just was like, not that the Raiders were the wrong fit, but, you know, sometimes I always said about this about Flacco. Joe was a guy that it was good that he went to the Ravens or to Philadelphia, or to a New York team. You know, family's so important to him. Yeah. And, you know, just having them in close proximity, I think it's the same thing with P.J. I think P.J. coming back to Texas was a perfect fit because how close family is to him. And, um, again, it, it was great to see him play very well, um, you know, for his 
time there with the Texans. Unfortunately, had that you know pec injury, but you know he sounds like he's ready to go. Coach, you mentioned it early in our discussion: the new conference affiliation, the WAC, and for. People of my demographic, your demographic, when we hear the whack, the first thing we think about is, oh, man, Wyoming, BYU, the shootouts, all that kind of thing. And I kind of have that soft spot for the whack, and that's where you guys are going. Tell me about your thoughts. Give me your thoughts, if you don't mind, about making that transition and how it benefits not only the football program but the whole university, Sam Houston State. Yeah, when I hear the whack, I think of Boise State. Yeah. Because Joe Blameyer – was a walk-on for me, and his dad was the athletic director at Boise State. That's right, yeah. Blue turf, yeah. you know, yeah. taking it from basically a Division two, three program to where it is now. And Joe actually just uh, was in the Super Bowl as the assistant quarterback coach with, with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And I remember having so many conversations with his father about, you know, the great football they played in that conference and the shootouts yeah. and, um, you know, the great, the great uh, parody that there was, you know, and, and kind of – Boise was the one who kind of raised everybody up. And so we know we're going to a great conference. And I love the people we're bringing along with us. A lot of like-minded people. We've just put $15 million into our facilities. Lamar has great facilities. Yeah. Abilene Christian has great facilities. Now, Stephen F. Austin hired an all, uh, a, um, uh, a coach that won a national championship. You bring Southern Utah in. Tarleton has great facilities. So all of a sudden, you know, you're putting together a pretty good football conference. And we think, you know, there's going to be um, some growing pains maybe the first year because we don't quite have enough teams and we're trying to figure out a schedule. Yeah. But I think the long-term possibilities of this conference are incredible. Worst case, we're going to be one of the best FCS conferences in the country. I think eventually this will be a Division One conference. And um, I think, you know, once we get in and once we kind of – you know, get our feet wet and settle in. I think you'll see us do some studies to see if, you know, going Division One is the best direction for the conference and for Sam Houston State. Coach, you mentioned Delaware and even Rowan, but being at Delaware uh, and playing in, in that conference and then playing in the Southland and now looking at what's potentially there in the WAC, you said it a little bit. I want to go a little bit further with that about the strength of that conference or the potential of it. And I heard you mention Southern Utah, and that and all of a sudden it just clicked. The, the number of players Southern Utah has actually put into the NFL the last few years, it really has the possibility of being a pretty strong FCS conference. But you've been at other conferences. As you look at the pieces that are there, you think it really holds up against the other conferences? Uh, Big Sky, which you know obviously is going to be uh, in that area or at least part of that area with uh, connections to Utah. How do you feel overall about the strength of it going forward on into the future? Yeah, I think that's why we made the move. I think we made the move because we saw a lot of like-minded schools that wanted to make a commitment to a football conference. Yeah. And, you know, it's exciting. And when I got to, to the CAA, um, you know, my Delaware team played for three national championships and won it in 2003. Bill won a national championship. Richmond won a national championship. Yeah. James Madison won a national championship. William Mary was in the Final Four. Maine beat, uh, I think, it was Old Miss. I mean, so that conference top to bottom – uh, New Hampshire was in like 12 straight playoffs. Top to bottom, it was a war every single weekend. I see that happening in the new WAC. Yeah. I see with the commitment that all the schools I mentioned, you know, have made to their facilities and the fact that we are like-minded, that we want to have great football, I can see this really developing into a, a great football conference. Coach, how important was it to, to have along? And I know one of the things when people talk about conference realignment, 
they talk about the, the loss of rivalries in some sense, you know, Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Nebraska on a, on a big school level. But how important was it to have Stephen F. Austin go along with because of the long, uh, longstanding Piney Woods rivalry you have with them? Well, you know, I always go back to being interviewed at, at, at Sam Houston State. And really, the first question I was asked was about playing Stephen F. Austin. I didn't know it at the time. It was about, do I like the color purple? <laughs> and I was, you know, I remember one of the alums raised his hands. Coach, I'm yeah. asked a question. What do you think about the color, color purple? And so right there, I knew there was something going on. And, and I can remember coming off the field the very first time, John, that we played Stephen F. Austin. And I'm hollering at Bobby. You didn't, you didn't prepare me for this. Like, you, you told me it was a rival, but it was way beyond what I yeah. could even imagine. Yeah. And so I think it was really critical that you have two like-minded schools uh, yeah. that both want to have great athletic programs moving in the same direction. And again, such a great rivalry in that we recruit the same kids. Um, and if they're not in the same high school, they play in rival high schools. Yeah. And, you know, Texas is kind of funny. All the Texas kids follow all the other Texas kids. They know what their accolades are. They know how well their teams did. Yep. You know, they might not even be from the same district. As long as they know from what part of the state you are, they know how good your football program is. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think it was really important. And I really like the fact that, you know, Tarleton has made a major commitment to facilities. And so with, and so with Lamar and, and Tarleton and us and, and Abilene, and then, like I said, Stephen F. making a commitment, you got some pretty good Texas schools that yep. are kind of all going the same direction in terms of their football programs. And then Southern Utah, we played those guys uh, in the playoffs. I remember we threw a little screen pass out to Yedidai Lewis. I think <laughs> about 13 guys tried to tackle him, uh, and he shook them all loose and made one of the great runs I've ever seen in the history of, of uh, football. And uh, we won the game basically on that little screen pass. And I remember walking off the field and said, that might be as physical – a football team as I've ever had a chance to, to play when, when I was at Sam Houston State. So, um, yeah, you know, we're going to have our hands full. Now, the way the, look, the conference looks for next year, there is some talk about trying to get an automatic qualifier and bring, possibly bring it in Central Arkansas yeah. and possibly bring it in North Carolina – I mean, um, uh, Kennesaw, not Kennesaw State, um, Eastern Kentucky, oh, wow. and then yeah. – well, Jacksonville State. In Jacksonville State, I think it's wow. Eastern Kentucky. So all wow. of a sudden, that's your conference, you know, for one year. And yeah. then they're going to all go back over to the um, like uh, American Sun or whatever their conference is. And, um, you know, they're going to do it a little differently. And we're going to be you know, more of a South and, and West team. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that, you talk about – that's why I said that there could be some short-term growing pains. Yeah. Because the teams I just mentioned – Oh, that's going to be a war every weekend, you know, yeah. so it should be great. It should be, it should be great. And we're looking forward to the competition. No doubt. And in 10 days, you get the season kicked off coach. I know it's an exciting time. I really appreciate you spending a few minutes. Best of luck. And hopefully down the road, we'll get a chance to talk and I'll get a chance to call a couple of your games, my friend. We're not going to stay in our living rooms for, from now on. We're going to be able to. No, nah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping not. I'm, I'm a little tired of this and I know you want to get on the field and get some, get some ball plays called. So I uh, appreciate you, Coach. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks, John. It's the absolute best. Casey Keeler, head coach at Sam Houston State, soon to be member of the WAC Western Athletic Conference. Big thanks to Mark for stopping by. Of course, to Coach, to all of you. Stay safe, everyone. We love you. Take care. See you next time. And as always, go Texans. As always, go Texans. As always, go Texans.